some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Never before in the history of sports podcasts have two men brought you opinion and analysis like these two. They speak for a city that's desperate for wins and titles, not whining and travesty. You might not agree with what they have to say, but you'll defend their right to say it. Sports fans across the world, from Chicago, Illinois, this is The Mac and Reed Show. What's happening, everybody? Welcome in to another edition of the Mac and Reed Show right here on the Ballroom Network. Good evening to those watching live on YouTube, of course. Feel free to chime in as we go through our fair show. If you've missed any of the previous Mac and Reed episodes, uh, the audio-only versions are on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your audio. Go like, subscribe, tell a friend or two. The visual and audio versions are on YouTube, of course, as well. Follow us on Twitter. Follow me at 311Mac. Follow Ross at Ross Reed. Good evening, Ross. What's happening? Good evening, my friend. How you doing tonight? Our bout of the Chargers was a done deal when we talked about it last week, and it and it's all over Twitter now. That, uh, it's accepted. Who would have thought a guy in, in Michigan in the middle of January would uh, would go for for greener pastures in L.A. About yeah, it. especially a, a a Cali guy before, and now he goes back to California and. Yeah. Uh, he brings some relevance to a franchise that is basically second fiddle in a city that really doesn't even care about football already. So um, yeah, we'll get more into that. I don't know about the fit with 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 uh, Justin Herbert and him bringing in Greg Roman, who doesn't like to run the throw the football. So mm-hmm. this will be something to talk about when we get into that. And there'll be a lot of bear stuff to, to start off the show with, though. Yes, sir. As Ross alluded to, uh, big doings for the Bears. Change up on the offensive side of the football, and we look ahead to the draft as this is uh, very daunting, this next draft for the Bears, and obviously the looming question at quarterback, which we've talked to Ed Nauseam about. We'll talk about the NFL playoffs as well, as now we're on to the AFC and NFC Championship. Excited for the matchups. Uh, of course, the Ravens taking on the Chiefs, playing host to the Chiefs, and then Lions Going all the way to the NFC Championship, uh, going to San Francisco to play the 49ers. Uh, should both be good games. We'll talk about the NBA. There have been some headlines recently as we're almost approaching midseason in the NBA. Can you believe it? Uh, surprises along the way. Uh, Oscar snubs. All that good stuff. But to begin, Ross, let's dive into the Bears as we usually start the show with. And uh, hello to Cliff and Joe and and all the barflies, of course. Uh, thanks for chiming in, fellas. Um, yeah, new OC Shane Waldron, who just left Seattle, uh, who's the play caller for Geno Smith and company, and Pete Carroll uh, on the offensive side of the football. Um, you know, the reaction has been mixed uh, of the names that were out there. I think you know, like we had talked about. Ross, we, we thought that it was kind of, uh, you know, it was going to be a certain coaching tree. This guy is, he's pretty young. He's 44 years old. He's spent 10 seasons in the NFL so far, the last three seasons, building building up a, a pretty potent Seahawks offense. They, you know, the big criticism I heard is that they're 
them not wanting to run the football as much. Uh, obviously, when you have Geno Smith back there, who's just been kind of a journeyman, you could put a lot of the success uh, of Geno Smith on Shane Waldron there, uh, but you could put a lot of the blame on the passing game and, and of course, the offensive as a, offense as a whole as well um, on Shane Waldron as well. But, uh, you know, he... Him learning under Pete Carroll, I think, is a big credit to him. Matt Averflus said, quote, we're excited to add Shane to our coaching staff. Head coach Matt Averflus said this, that is. I also want to thank all the candidates we spoke to throughout the interview process. This was a very exhaustive search, uh, but done rather quickly. But in the end, I'm grateful the journey led us to Shane. He's a great teacher and communicator with a diverse coaching background among some of the game's most elite coaches. I look forward to partnering with him as we build out the rest of the staff and get him started here. The assumption, uh, this was announced Tuesday, by the way, uh, the assumption of course, is that he will go ahead and, and handpick his, his positional coaches, maybe poach from the Seahawks to do what he does as Matt Aberflus did when he uh, got to the bears as well. Uh, what was your reaction when you heard that it was Shane Waldron uh, named the offensive coordinator for the bears Ross? Yeah, listen, I think it's a home run hire for them. Um, he was the top offensive coordinator out on the market and they got the top offensive coordinator on the market. You know, we talked about last week, I said that he was going to be the leader in the clubhouse. I thought Clint Kubiak was going to get a bit of a look, the passing game coordinator that is uh, Sean McVay uh, for Sean McVay right now for the Rams. But we know Shane Waldron already had that job and he was, he, he sat at the foot of the Messiah as everybody wants the guy that sat next to Sean McVay or a Kyle Shanahan in coincidence, he actually worked with both those guys back in Washington as a quality control coach. So listen, this guy has worked for Charlie Weiss and Bill Belichick and, and he's spent time with Kyle Shanahan and he was handpicked by, by Sean McVay to run their passing game uh, in, in Rams when they won that Super Bowl before eventually moving on to um, Seattle where he was also able to um, reignite Geno Smith's career, obviously. We thought Geno Smith was was basically left for dead when he was leaving that giant situation and going out west. And Geno Smith uh, turned himself into a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback. He got himself a good deal. Um, what I love the most about Shane Waldron is kind of the critiques that people were saying. Yeah, you're right. He, he's not going to throw the – he's not going to run the football on second and nine and second and seven. Thank God. This is a – forward-thinking offense we're in a forward-thinking league right now i can't imagine how people can watch the games from last weekend the playoff games and think that you can't throw the football and to to be able to win in advance going into the playoffs and so that's what he does he gets his top two wide receiver targets heavily involved in this case it was dk metcalf and tyler lockett and then from there he's going to play a lot of 12 personnel what that means is obviously two tight ends on the field he got um, um, Will Disley involved in Noah Fant as his two tight ends. And so right now, from a Bears perspective, you know you got your number one guy in DJ Moore, right? You know you got one tight end in Cole Komet. And now the Bears have to look towards adding in potentially a second wide receiver. Hint, hint, you got a second, um, you got a second first-round pick at number nine. And then adding a tight end opposite Komet that acts more of a U tight end, a guy that can kind of float in and out and through the slot and things of that nature. And even with all that, you know, people are going to say he doesn't run the football. That's nonsense. Kenneth Walker Jr. has been a very, very productive running back in this league since he's got in the league and was drafted pretty high. He had over 1,000 yards last year as, as a running back, nine touchdowns, uh, you know, on the ground. And, you know, even guys like Rashad Penny, 
who's been a good backup for many times in the years. He had 346 yards last year and two touchdowns. So you can kind of miss me with that too. Shane Waldron will still run the football effectively. And I think it's a home run higher for the Bears. And, I, you know, I, I, I applaud Matt Eberflus for going out there and getting the top guy in the market, despite the fact that, as we know right now, Eberflus is a lame duck head coach going into the season. Yeah, but that's quite the exclamation point on all that, Ross. Uh, you know, in in the seasons in Seattle, uh, Waldron leading the offense, the the Seattle offense ranked third in yards per touch, third in big plays passing in the league, fourth in big plays rushing. I could see, yeah, Kenneth Walker and, and you know whoever was able to to run the ball for the Seahawks in the in the, the backfield really it seemed to excel more. So I didn't really see where those criticisms came from. Um, but that big, you know plus four Waldron is certainly the way he was able to revitalize Geno Smith, um, his career in Seattle and the way he was able to uh, put up pretty good points and pretty good stats, you know, averaging over 20 points a game and, and over 300 yards in a game as well. It, it speaks volumes to the way he was able to do that in a tough division uh, going against the 49ers and going against the likes of, uh, Rams and company. So I, you know, I'm very optimistic as well. You know, obviously we, you talked about all the needs that the bears have and, and they're going to address them mostly in this draft because they, it seems like they have a thousand picks, but the most important one being number one overall still remains to be seen what, what they do with that. So that's the next domino to fall. You would think the big news that would come from the bears is what they're going to do with, Justin Fields really spells out what they will do with number one overall. I, I can see both ways. Justin Fields certainly thriving with Shane Waldron, calling plays for him um, because it's night and day between him and Luke Getze. But obviously you can see that Shane Waldron is in a great position in the prime of his coaching career to do a lot with Caleb Williams as well. And and I know Ross that, you know, you've been on record that it looks like Caleb Williams are bust and, and there's just, very little chance that Justin comes back. Um, you know, what, what can you say about his relationship and, and the way he would be able to, to build up a young rookie quarterback like Caleb Williams? Yeah. I mean, you know, I think we, a lot of us wanted a, um, a whole brand new regime from top down from head coach to offensive coordinator going down to pair with the rookie quarterback. Obviously Matt Everflus is coming back, but in my opinion, this is the next best thing because Shane Waldron will essentially be, your head coach of the offense. And he's going to be a guy coming in. He's going to be fresh eyes. He's going to be fresh system. But this is literally the system right now that Kayla Williams is working with, with quarterback coaches out in California learning right now. So he's going to be walking into the situation already knowing this system. That's obviously if Kayla Williams is the pick. I'm assuming that he's going to be the pick in, in the next quarterback with the Chicago Bears. Um, and then also with that, you know, Shane Waldron brings in a, a multitude, as he's still working on it, of high-quality top-end assistants that he has uh, a lot of camaraderie and continuity with. He's already talking about bringing in Chad Morton and Sanjay Lau and Kerry Joseph. These guys are going to basically take care of your passing game and your running game. The Bears are keeping their offensive line coach from last year. So I think it's a home run. You know, a part of what I love about what Shane Waldron does as an offensive coordinator is – you know, when you look at average drop, um, average depth per drop, uh, per drop back last year, Justin Fields, one of the worst in the NFL. He had uh, one of the worst, which means he had one of the deepest drops in the NFL, which means that also equates to holding on to the football very long, trying to wait on really slow routes to develop, and you take sacks, you get fumbles, 
you force a scramble out of the pocket. You're just, it's usually a recipe for disaster, especially for a young quarterback. Guys like Tom Brady and stuff like that, they can maneuver around it a little bit better. Shane Walger's offense, his quarterback historically has been in the top 10 in average depth per drop, which means he wants you to hike that football. He wants that football out of your hands within three, four seconds max, right? Boom, get it, throw it, get it, throw it. He wants these receivers open on short, quick routes. We've all seen DJ Metcalf before on Sundays. This guy gets the football eight, nine yards down the field, and he'll take it to the house, right? That sounds very much like what DJ Moore can do or a guy like Roman Duze if they want to draft him. But he'll still take his shots down the field. He's going to work the middle of the field a lot with his tight ends. That's something that the Bears have struggled with uh, Lou Getze and Justin Fields. So even if Justin is the quarterback or, or if it's Caleb Williams, He's going to put one of these young quarterbacks in a better position to get rid of the football quickly and get it into his playmaker's hands. And that to me is a home run. There it is. I like that analysis, Ross. And, you know, it's, it's tied in again to the talent that is going to be pulled from the draft. And if it's number one, which it is no number one overall pick from the Panthers, it looks like the Bears going quarterback. So, you know, you've, you've floated the name of Brock Bowers out there a lot and, you know, what the Bears do with, what is it, number nine overall after that? Number nine, yep. They number got nine. first and nine, yep. Yeah, first and ninth overall. And then, you know, it, it depends on what happens, obviously, with Justin Fields, if you're able to trade mm-hmm. him to uh, potentially, you know, get more second-round pick, third-round pick, whatever Fields' worth is to other teams. That's uh, very curious. But, you know, looking in that top ten, you talked about addressing wide receiver or tight end. If it Brock Bowers isn't say available, is there another guy that that sticks out to you that would be can't miss for the Bears at number nine? I think it's I, I think to me, if you're looking at number nine overall, I would power rank it as um, you know, obviously they would want a guy like Malik Neighbors. I just don't think he's gonna be on the board by the time number nine rolls around. I think a team like the Giants are gonna be able to snag him. Uh, I think I believe they're picking at five. But then you go to the third best wide receiver on the board, and that is Roman Duze. This guy's 6'2, 6'3, 215 pounds out of Washington. He's a tough, physical, explosive football player. He's the perfect complement to me outside of DJ Moore. When you want to be able to grind it out in the middle field, but also get physical and push the football down the field with, with explosive plays. And then from there, we talk about Brock Bowers, right? Brock Bowers, you know, he's tight end, but I don't really consider him a tight end. I consider him, you know, a all the off-field stuff aside, but I remember from when the Patriots had Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez, he plays more of that Aaron Hernandez role where you can move him around the field, you can put him in the backfield, you can put him in the slot, you can put him in line, you can put him on the outside, and this guy's going to be able to be explosive. He's a matchup nightmare because safeties and, and corners are too small and linebackers are too slow to cover him. So that's going to be an option. I think right now with the Harbaugh move to, to the Chargers, Harbaugh loves his tight ends. So I think Bowers would you know look for him to go number five overall to the Chargers. But if he's there, I think it's going to be one of those two guys, either Roman Duze or Brock Bowers, uh, paired with uh, with Caleb Williams. Yeah, and it looks like again, I feel like every year we see this where it's it's a pretty good wide receiver class between Caleb Williams or, or Caleb Williams, excuse me, Marvin Harrison Jr., uh, yeah. Roman Duze and 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 Duze and Malik Neighbors. So they could easily go within that top six uh you would think because the giants certainly need uh a weapon or i mean around daniel jones or whoever they trot out a quarterback and like you alluded to the chargers certainly could use a, a guy like Duze or uh yeah. neighbors they're the, in there as well. they're the wild card they're the wild yeah. card because 
you know, now to me, the game changes a little bit with with um, with Harbaugh coming in. Harbaugh notoriously is not a guy who wants to really push the football down the field, which kind of doesn't make sense to me because he's got Justin Herbert, who's like a Lamborghini. You should be driving that thing 200 miles an hour. But Harbaugh wants to run the football. He wants to do a lot of ball control, play action, get it tied to the tight ends. That's why I lean Bowers, but they are the wild card team for me as to where maybe that second or third wide receiver would go. Because you assume now um, Marvin Harrison Jr. would go to the Cardinals at number four overall. Then the Cardinals, uh, then the Chargers are right at five. I've I've watched a lot of tape on Bowers too, and I mean it, it's it's paramount that you have a guy like I mean you're seeing it's it's very lucky like Baltimore that they have a, a tight end like Likely when Mark mm-hmm. Andrews went out and he's been playing his ass off. But you look at, a, at the other teams in in the uh, AFC and NFC championships, phenomenal tight ends. You have Laporta for Detroit. You obviously have George Kittle, who's an All Pro guy. For the 49ers um and and it's just incredible what they've been able to do um and i yeah and i gotta say too who gets talked about enough (laughs) and and, and you know and you you uh you brought up the right name for me because the word tight end should be used as loosely as possible i hear people all the time saying we got a comment here saying you know think of that that ryan pulse would take a tight end in in the top 10 Get a fucking playmaker. You need a playmaker. I don't care what position you want to call him. Travis Kelsey hasn't been a tight end in like eight years. Travis right. Kelsey ain't blocking anybody. He's not He's not Rob Gronkowski. He's not like those old school guys. He is a wide receiver that just happens to be about 245 pounds. You need playmakers on offense. You can't tell me ending a year when you saw DJ Moore and then you saw a bunch of dudes because Darnell Mooney was hurt and there just wasn't enough options on there that you can go into next year saying that you're happy with where you're at, right? You have to get playmakers on offense. I don't care what position you want to call him. You want to call Brock Bowers tight end. You want to call him a, a big wide receiver. I, I don't care. The guy's a playmaker. He makes plays. He's absolutely unbelievable. Get playmakers on offense, especially I don't care who the quarterback is, if it's Fields or Williams, they need high quality young talent to throw the football to. For sure. Like, again, mentioning those teams, look at how the Ravens have built out their offense. Mm-hmm. They, they just have a, a embarrassment of riches. The Lions, too. Uh, just look across the board. Drafting Jameer Gibbs yeah. early on yeah. uh, really did them all the favors in the world. And, of course, the 49ers, who are like the, the, the class of, of these four teams left now, um, besides the Chiefs, who have obviously the best quarterback in the league right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and obviously there is that potential for – an edge rusher. I, I don't think you could discount that. And there's a lot of names being floated around there, but we'll we'll see. Um, I did want to uh, give a shout out to Tyreek Stevenson, who did have you know a great rookie season. You know, 65 solo tackles, first among rookies. Four four interceptions, first among rookies. 16 pass deflections and two forced fumble forced fumble. Excuse me, tied first among rookies. He was named the the Bears uh, rookie of the year, and rightfully so. I mean, between him and Darnell Wright, uh, those are two uh, very good pieces to to have on either side of the football right now. It would have been a, a toss-up between Darnell Wright and, and Stevenson for me, but I'm excited to see uh, him play more meaningful snaps going forward because he, he made his presence known um, often, you know, this past season. He did. He had an outstanding rookie season. And, you know, you bring him back with, uh, you know, with Jalen Johnson. We, you know, we all feel confident at this point that, you know, some kind of deal is going to be able to get done in the offseason. And, you know, Darnell Wright made pro football focuses 
all rookie team this year as, as, as a starting right tackle. He's only going to get better as a young guy. I really like what, what, uh, what, what Ryan Poles was able to do in the draft the last year. I think Zach Pickens is going to be a good player. I think uh, Gervon Dexter is going to be a good player as well. I like Terrell Smith as a backup corner. He hit a home run with that rookie class, which is why, to me, you know, going into this offseason, into the draft, for me right now, he gets the benefit of the doubt. He gets all of the, you know, he gets a lot of slack right now with whatever decision uh, he wants to make. And I, I want to, I do want to pivot back to the never-ending, exhausting quarterback conversation that we have. As you have to. Things. You have to. You have to. But you know, he he deserves the benefit of the doubt right now. He's actually put together some pretty solid draft classes. You know, you even look at when Jaquan Brisker can stay on the field healthy. He's a good safety. And same thing with Kyler Gordon. He's a good safety as well. So, you know, they, at this point, you feel pretty good about uh, where Ryan Poles can can make his decisions in the draft. So if it is a guy like Brock Bowers or Roman Duze, or even if it's low to the, you know, the the edge rusher uh, out of UCLA, I feel confident right now in, in his, in his uh, decisions. Sports Chicago style. Rename the show to Couch Time with Evan and yeah, Russ. I got a oh, um, Come talk bears yes. with us. You got a squishmallow? Of course yeah, you, you know what squishmallow is. Look at you. Yeah, wait, I got a damn kid. I got two of them. Yeah. <laughs> My daughter was introduced uh, to squishmallows by uh, our friends in Denver, and, and now she's yeah, never went back. We got a lot of squishmallows in this house. Your, your, your kid has a problem. That's his crack. <laughs> the squishmallows. Um, Mike was cracking us Fortnite. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I mean, that's every kid's crack. Jesus Fortnite Christ. is, but <laughs> you know, I saw one of the other barroom shows. I'm sorry, I'm, uh, I can't remember the name of it right now, but but the headline was Bears' biggest draft is upcoming or something to that effect. And I, this, you know, very well could be. It's certainly the biggest one we've seen in a long time because of the looming question of quarterback, but. You figure this is obviously, you know, we we talk about it a lot, that make or break situation for Ryan Poles building off the success he had from this last draft and what to do with that uh, number one overall pick, whether you get a quarterback or whether you, you know, go and try to stockpile more draft picks. If you turn it into a similar haul that you did last year, you're looking good. But whatever you do there will obviously uh determine what your future looks like between this team and any success that they have. So, you know, it, it's, it, it's a ridiculous question, but is this the biggest draft that you've seen in a while? And you think the implications are, are right there, Ross? It's the biggest draft in franchise history, in my opinion, mm, you because think? what you do with this pick um, will dictate where this franchise goes to me within the next, at least 10 years, at least 10 yeah. years. But it's the biggest. You have to nail this decision. And, and obviously the decision is what are we going to do around the quarterback situation? Are we keeping Justin Fields and building around him? Are we drafting Caleb Williams and trading Justin Fields for you know maybe a late first-round pick, second-round pick, whatever the compensation will be? That now becomes the single most important decision in franchise history because you cannot screw this up. It, it, you have to hit this regardless of what you do. That's why it makes it such a fun conversation sometimes, and uh, but such a very difficult decision for Ryan Poles. Yeah, it, I, I agree with you. It's huge for the franchise when it's just been uh, inconsistent year after inconsistent year, especially quarterback, when you think of the names that have been floated around and how 
close you've got and how you just never have had a 4,000 yard passer. It just, you, you look around the division too, and having Detroit and I know Packers went out last week, but it seems like they have their franchise quarterback right there and Jordan love. And that's a huge key to success. I don't care what else you do. We've seen it too many times where despite how good the defense is, unless you're the 85 bears, just doing all the scoring and just mauling offenses uh, you know, you hearken back to the Super Bowl run and, and they had to do a lot of the scoring themselves. Kind of tired of that narrative, right? You want to see the Bears be able to to do and, and even look at you know the way that Kirk Cousins was doing it. Just look around your division and look around the league. And that starts with uh uh with of course going to have a bunch of options around that quarterback. And and I don't envy Ryan Poles in his position to determine if Caleb Williams or Justin Fields is that guy. You take some experience over just the, you know, awesome talent that Caleb Williams is and in a short college career um, and what you know you get with Justin. So it's it's tough. It, it, but the the good news is, again, that you are trending upward in that you, you started with Shane Waldron. You're having your offensive coordinator for the next several years, definitely to teach this new quarterback or – uh, the quarterback that you've had <clears throat> for the last three years and try to get him some consistency finally. And you're going to have a ton of picks and, and a ton of chances to have great weapons around them. So, you know, th- every every year we do this to ourselves as Bears fans, but cautiously optimistic. But I'm just, uh, I, I don't I don't know when it's going to happen, but, we, you know, it may take up to April, but we got to know what's happening with that number one overall pick, man. That'll determine a lot. Yeah, man. We're we're still in January, and, and the thought of having to do this for another three months is is very just, nauseating. Just football officially ends. We'll yeah, and this is this is where I go on my little bit of a, a mini rant um, as I spend a lot of time on on, on Twitter uh, at, at the X formerly known as Twitter, although we all still call it Twitter. Um, you know, a couple things is I think the discussion has gotten very uh, vitriol. I think it's gotten pretty disgusting. I think the way people have been talking to each other about it, because people are starting to really cement themselves and pick sides at this point, Team Fields versus Team Caleb. Um, I've seen things on the app that I've seen racist comments, colorism comments. I've seen uh, ridicule about a guy who paints his nails because his mother's a nail technician and he wants to honor her. Uh, I've seen crying and questioning manhood and and just being angry towards each other and this and that, I just think it's absolutely disgusting. I also see people who put themselves in anxiety and and, in stress watching a playoff game saying, why can't Justin do that? Or Justin can do that. And this is like, just watch, just enjoy the football game. These people are tearing themselves into knots right now and, and picking fights with each other and just being really disgusting over a, Decision that's not in your hands. You don't know what the outcome of that decision is going to be. And we don't know what the right decision is either way. So you really, in my opinion, can't dig in on either side and, and, and say what the right decision is. And then most importantly, in addition to treating, you know, not treating each other poorly is I don't like the way people are talking about both of these kids because I love Justin Fields oh, yeah. and I love Caleb Williams too. I am it's team both of those guys. Yeah. Exactly. And the way that people are talking about these two young men that they don't even know, and they're being so disrespectful to them, and they're saying disrespectful things and that nature, I think is absolutely disgusting. And uh, I think it needs to stop 
right away. You know, if Caleb Williams so happens to be the quarterback for the Bears come April and Justin Fields is to move on, I love Justin. I will root for him every single time, except when he plays for the Bears, and I will welcome Caleb Williams with open arms. And if Justin is still the quarterback in April, flip that whole thing. Caleb is going to be awesome and fun to watch you. You're going to be on my little box every Sunday in the Red Zone channel, and I will love Justin Fields. But we have to take the anger and the resentment and the hatred towards each other and these two young men out of this conversation. I just think it's so disgusting and so disrespectful. And the fact that we have three more months of this is absolutely just, it, it grinds my gears. It just drives me nuts. Yeah, you couldn't have said it better. And, and the comments uh, reflect that, Ross. And I, I'm in agreement with you. I'm not in the Twitter rabbit hole that you are as well, just because of that. Uh, it feels like it is often a cesspool and that fans just really, I, I don't know, you, you feel like, where, did, where do you get off when you're seeing these young men and, and them trying to make the best of their situations? Uh, and it, it just turns very ugly very fast. So what you what you want is the best outcome for, for both Justin and Caleb Williams, regardless of what team they play for, um, you know, because they are uh, very accomplished young men and, and they can certainly excel with, with which, whatever team they play in. Uh, so I'd like to see that um, obviously from the bears fan standpoint, just why are you, you know, you don't have to bring race into it just, and yeah. you, you forget that it's a game from your standpoint. These guys obviously are playing for careers and trying to maximize their careers and taking hit after hit. So you can, you know, enjoy your Sunday on the couch. And now you just, uh, you just have to wait and see like the rest of us. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, well, let's uh, let's move on, Ross, and, and put a yeah. pin on there with the Bears, and we will talk about the NFC and AFC championships. And, uh, I mean, we'll have to obviously give a shout-out to the Buffalo Bills and the other teams that, that came up on the losing end in Tampa and, and the Texans and the Packers. Not so much the Packers, but... Uh, <laughs> But it was uh, it was an exciting weekend for the divisional round. Uh, just going back to that real quickly. Um, obviously, you see that that the Ravens are playing real tough at home and are, are perhaps the class of the AFC right now. Uh, and CJ Stroud could only do so much against that Ravens defense that is just dynamite right now, led by Roquan Smith, the former Bear, who is playing out of his mind, playing like Ray Lewis without the murder. And then the 49ers. Uh, <laughs> Drop that in there. 49ers in a, in a great game against the Packers. Uh, you know, again, going back to Jordan Love, just leaving it all out there. Future looks real bright for the Packers. That's going to be tough <coughs> for the Bears to play as usual. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, though, what a weapon he is. And, and there was a lot of vitriol for Brock Purdy. We'll talk about that in a moment. I don't so, like that either. I don't like yeah, that either. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure I like it either, Ross. Mm -hmm. uh, Jared Goff getting over. Getting his team over the hump to the NFC Championship game, perhaps to the their first Super Bowl forever, perhaps first Super Bowl win, I should say. Um, you know, in, in a scrappy Bucks team where where it felt like Baker just was Mister Never Say Die uh, with three touchdowns, almost 350 yards. He was great, um, but the Lions held that game out, and then the Chiefs. It, it just it, again the hatred for like a Josh Allen was was just so misplaced for me when I saw how he had put his team into a position to win repeatedly and an unfortunate. And again, going back to fans, you can boo the kicker all you want, but dude, do not take it personally. This is, uh, you know, a guy who practices this moment repeatedly. Things happen. There's, it's a, a game of inches. There, it's a game of certainly 
adapting to the elements and he just missed wide right for, for whatever reason should not get hatred for it i think you know i did see some good things where chiefs fans were donating to a, a, a charity foundation that he was a big part of so that was a cool thing to see but um all these teams certainly deserving these four teams uh of the position they're in i'm not sure we would have picked detroit to go this far uh, but here they are playing against the Niners, who we definitely would have picked. I know Ross is picking them to go to the Super Bowl. And then on the opposite chat side, the Chiefs and the Ravens. But let's let's talk about Josh Allen and Brock Purdy and how, you know, I mean, I, I feel like they have to be mentioned in that that top conversation. And it's not just Josh Allen, especially because I've seen the way he plays and the way he is he able to use his legs and. He made some big time throws. The throw, uh, I forget to, it was in the corner of the end, end zone, front mm-hmm. corner of the end zone was just unbelievable. Obviously, when he's when he's put his body on the line like that, like a running back, is, is you can't ask for more than that. And Brock Purdy, like he's just, he's shown his ability to bounce back from his down performances. And, you know, you can't just say they're winning despite him, something like that, um, because he, he has made big play after big play. I, again, uh, both those guys, big credit to them for how far they were able to take their teams. Obviously, Brock Purdy getting a little further there. Uh, but your thoughts on Ross? The Chiefs' drives, um, starting in the second quarter, going to the fourth quarter, it went field goal, touchdown, touchdown to start the, the second half, fumble by McCole Hardman that should have been a touchdown, goes to the end zone, yeah. touchdown, by Isaiah Pacheco to end the game. That had nothing to do with Josh Allen. Josh Allen was doing what he was supposed blame to do. Blame someone. Blame your fucking defense. <laughs> the defense decided not to show up against that Chiefs uh, offense at home, and they didn't get stopped. So the only time they got a stop was because McCall Hartman decided he wanted to fumble the football through the end zone. I thought Josh Allen was absolutely awesome in that game. I thought his wide receivers let him down. Um, Stefan Diggs who's supposed to be a top 10 wide receiver, drops a dime in the fourth Mm -hmm. quarter that really could have put a lot of pressure on the Kansas City Chiefs. And, uh, you know, I I thought Josh was awesome. And I thought Josh was playing, especially in the fourth quarter, like a guy that knew he needed to push the envelope a little bit because Pat Mahomes was not going to stop. That offense was going to keep going on the field and keep scoring. And so anybody that wants to put blame on Josh Allen for that, I, I don't see it. I thought he was awesome in that football game. And um, I, I actually agree with Sean McDermott. Um, I, I, I think that they don't need to blow it up. I think they are very, very close. Um, when you look at some of the guys, especially on defense, you, know, you look at a guy like Von Miller. Von Miller got paid $14 million this year. You know how many sacks he had this season? Four. Zero. Damn. That's he had zero sacks this season and he only had about 20 something tackles or something like that that's just not getting the done. yeah he's over and, the hill Get him yeah they, it, and so you know the buffalo needs to needs to look at their defense they need to retool that thing they obviously need to get another wide receiver out there because i don't know what the hell happened stefan diggs was a shell of himself all year yeah. long they didn't have gabe davis in that in that game because he was injured they got something in the shakir kid that kid can play i like him a lot that, that's the catch i was referring to it was unbelievable and he yeah was, yeah yep. All so, yep yep so get get another wide receiver opposite stuff on digs sure up that defense and they'll be right back at it i actually think that they would be the favorites to win that division next year i think miami is, is continues to show you that they're frauds um right. 
because I don't trust a quarterback in that situation. So I think Josh Allen is is absolutely awesome. And you know, we can you know what's what's the next game we're talking about? The uh, 49ers game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, Brock Purdy. <laughs> look, I like Brock Purdy a lot. People want to call him a game manager. People want to call him this. Sometimes Brock Purdy makes some dumbass throws. Sometimes he makes some dimes, right? But I think the biggest thing with him is um, he typically doesn't show a lack of poise on the football field. And I thought that was an ugly game. You can clearly see that he is not built to play in those kind of elements. He's got smaller hands. He went gloved to start the game, took the glove off, was screwing around, couldn't get a grip on the football. Even with all that, when it came time to get the game-winning drive, what did he do? stayed cool and calm he made those simple layup throws he needed to and he got the ball in his in, in his um in his playmaker's hands and let them go out there and win so people can keep calling him a game manager and not good and this and this guess what guys one win away from the super bowl and i and i think if they get to the super bowl they might be the favorites to win that whole thing that's all that good that team is he is team don't fuck it up that's all he is he's he's the, the corner quarterback to me I, I i equate him to i'm gonna show my age here I equate him to Avery Johnson, who was a, uh, a a former very good point guard in the NBA. Um, he was a starting point guard and on the San Antonio Spurs teams that saw Tim Duncan, and David Robinson, and Sean Elliott, and all these other guys. And Avery Johnson was the guy that just was there to keep the train on the tracks and make sure that these other top-level talent got what they needed in route to multiple championship rings. That's why I think Brock Purdy is the kind is that kind of guy. So um I, I, I think that this weekend coming up, um, as long as it doesn't rain, that's a very, very difficult uh test for the uh, for the the Lions to be able to go in there because I don't think yeah. the 49ers are gonna play that kind of game again uh at home, in particular on offense. They do need Debo Samuel though because he is a very uh, important part of that offense. Nebo Samuel, who came right to Brock Purdy's defense uh, when it was Ryan Clark or someone was calling him out. Uh, and then the Bills fans, it's just so tough. They got to see Jason Kelsey celebrating next to Taylor Swift and company. It's uh, then, they pelt, then they pelted Pat Mahomes and company with snowballs and allegedly turned off the hot water. Uh, I would do that. I'd be petty. I'd fucking losing to the Chiefs again in the AFC Championship. I'm uh, curious to see which Brock Purdy we see, uh, you know, look at switching focus to the games that will be on Sunday. Uh, let, let's lead with that because the Lions seem like this team of destiny as much as people keep pointing to the the uh, the colors of the Super Bowl and then how yeah. that would be Ravens Diners because it's Purdy, whatever. Uh, yeah. I hope that bullshit is not true. Uh, <laughs> let the best team win here. But the Lions, uh, their chances are good. It looks, you know, looks about 70 and and partially cloudy, like a really nice California day where uh, Jared Goff growing up in California is very familiar with days like this. And and his offense is just as potent as the 49ers. Uh, but mm. the big difference you would think is the way the 49ers should be able to play at home. And they were tested pretty well against Green Bay uh, with Aaron Jones and, and Jordan Love and company. Uh, granted, they're not going to be guarding – They they will be guarding more accomplished uh, and more dangerous, I should say, weapons in Laporta, who is a, a great rookie tight end, and Amon Ross St. Brown uh, doing great things for the Lions. It's, we're going to see which Jared Goff shows up. I'm curious about that as well. Uh, who do you like in the NFC Championship? Bro? 
I like the 49ers at home. Listen, I, I like Kyle Shanahan's ability to be able to get the football to his offensive weapons, even if Debo Sam was not playing. You still got George Kittle out there. You still got Brandon Ayuk out there. You still got Christian McCaffrey. You still have weapons out there that are going to be able to um, really stress this Lions defense, who, quite frankly, it just haven't been good this year. That Lions defense has really struggled, and it took a, it took Jared Goff everything he had to keep them in front because Baker Mayfield was was keeping the, the Bucks in that football game all along. Mike Evans was able to do whatever the hell he wanted on, on Sutton, number one for the Lions, who's just an absolute terrible corner. The Lions have the worst secondary that's left in these playoffs. And in my opinion, when you can't cover on the back end in the playoffs, I can't pick you to win a football game because you're going to get picked on, especially when you've got a, a, an offensive genius like a Kyle Shanahan. And, and I think that's where the Lions' demise is going to come. On the flip side of things, the 49ers basically built this defense to go out there and go out after a guy like a Jared Goff, right? You're going to get Bosa off the edge. They brought in um, Chase Young, who hasn't been his, you know, as good, but he's still been solid. you got guys like Fred Warner, who's going to be able to put pressure that's a you know, in Greenlaw. Greenlaw is out there as well. He's the one that had the interception on Jordan Love to, to cap the game last week. I just like this 49ers defense better against Jared Goff, and I like Kyle Shanahan's ability to scheme the matchups that he wants in better weather and uh, really put pressure on the Lions. I think the line right now is like uh, 49ers minus seven, something like that. Um, That's exactly I, I wouldn't right. be, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if the 49ers won this by a, by a full touchdown. There you go. Ross's betting insight as usual. Uh, but yeah, no shortage of great weapons. Uh, you know, the duel of running backs and, and how uh, dynamic these running backs are. We know that Christian McCaffrey is as good a receiver as a runner, but he's just been uh, awesome for the Niners this year. Uh, and then you'll mm -hmm. be able to see a familiar face in David Montgomery, who, who's been the bruiser. And then Jameer Gibbs shows that uh, he has got some speed and, and he's uh, just a great young quarterback, a great addition. So that one-two punch of those two could certainly elevate the Lions. We shall see. But it's going to be – they're going to have to be perfect. Like you said, Ross, I, I don't think outside of Aiden Hutchinson, that pass rush has not been very consistent for Detroit. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, they have to play against – Hutchinson will probably have to go up against, you know, one of the toughest – left tackles in the league and Trent Williams and, and trade off yeah. against uh, the right tackle as well. And, and, the, and the rest of that offensive line that paves lanes repeatedly for, um, you know, for Christian McCaffrey and company. The, the big question mark, of course, is if Debo Samuel will play. And, and uh, I, I'm pretty sure, you know, he's been a partial participant. I'm pretty sure he would play in this yeah. game. Uh, I think he's fired yeah. up. I think he benefited from, resting last week i think he's ready to go at least in a partial aspect so if he, they've you know if they got debo Ayuk, and kittle and mccaffrey going I, I just don't see any way around the the niners winning it but crazier things have happened uh on to the afc championship game which is the 2 p.m game and chiefs are back here again man and uh i know a lot of people are certainly sick of point but you know this is people get sick of dynasties people were sick of brady and the and the patriots um, and the way they are, are just re repeatedly winning. What, what's more unbearable is the Taylor Swift presence, but you know, <laughs> you, the, the positive aspect is her bringing football to young girls everywhere and, and yada, yada, yada. Um, and Jason Kelsey is now going to be like the new mascot for them as well, mm -hmm. um, which is kind of a cool storyline. I mean, I'm, I'm all for just the, the better team winning here. I mean, the Ravens, we've seen Lamar Jackson and how great he is. Uh, we know, you know, on the heels of, of the, 
Harbaugh conversation, how Jim is going to the the Chargers. John Harbaugh is one of the best coaches in in our in the last ten years. You know, it's it's it seems like not too long ago where they went to that Super Bowl and and won and and the matchup of the Harbaughs, um, which was crazy to see. And it's great that they'll be able to face each other. But in that game Sunday, uh, the Ravens have that big advantage of playing at home. And again. That defense has just been lights out this season. Uh, again, with Patrick Queen and Roquan Smith, uh, it, it starts with those linebackers. And I think, you know, that that uh, them captaining the defense, really, it, they're able to just zero in. Roquan Smith being o- all over the field, he's going to give uh, Pat Mahomes and company a lot of trouble. Uh, we've seen Mahomes can struggle at times with, um, you know, he's been under a pass rush. And I think that the... the atmosphere of the Ravens at home is, is going to be a lot uh, for them to overcome, but I, I, the, the experience is there and, and something tells you that, uh, that, that the chiefs still have another crazy game up their sleeve and anything can happen if they make that, make it back to the Super Bowl. Yes. And you know, the only way to me that you're, you're betting on Casey in this game is because you're betting on Pat Mahomes because you're betting on, you know, the, the best quarterback in the league right now, guy that's trying to go down as one of the best quarterbacks of all time because the matchup on paper screams Ravens. Listen, if you've been watching the Chiefs this, this year, they have struggled to move the football offensively. Uh, Travis Kelsey has not been the same Travis Kelsey he's been in the past. They don't have a value, uh, a, a reliable wide receiver on their team right now. They, even though Valdez Scaling did have um, some good plays uh, last weekend, um, but you know, you know, they got, Rose, yeah. Yeah, got Rashid Rice, who's a rookie out there. <clears throat> it's been a lot of uh, playmaking ability by Pat Mahomes and a lot of Isaiah Pacheco. Now the problem is, and we saw it last week, the Ravens really know how to when when they're on that defense really knows how to load up against the run and shut it down. You mentioned guys like like Roquan Smith out there, and they got outstanding safety and Cal Hamilton who can step up and and, and deliver hits. Um, you know, even Jadavian Clowney has been awesome this year. They've got a really good defense led by their front seven. And if Isaiah Pacheco cannot get going in this football game, <clears throat> I just don't know how the Kansas City offense is going to be able to score points on the road in a very, very hostile environment. Texas players were saying that was the loudest they've ever heard a stadium before in their lives last weekend. And it's only going to get rowdier this weekend. I heard Ray Lewis is going to be there. And Reed is going to be there. They've got tons of stars are going to be there. T Pain is performing at halftime. So, <laughs> of course, he's so so Baltimore is going to be rocking this weekend, and and good for them. They deserve it. I, I love that city. I love that franchise and, and and what they do. Um, and then on the flip side of things for KC, you know they they they've got they're a little banged up. You know, Legereus Need has came into that game last week banged up. He left for a little bit, came back. Willie Gay has been banged up. And when I look at it, it's like, how are you, you know, this is the same Kansas City Chief team that allowed the Raiders to beat them without Aiden McConnell completing a pass in the entire second half of a football game. And they lost at home in that regard. And now all of a sudden, because they couldn't stop the run, and the Kansas City Chiefs have struggled to stop the run all year round. And guess who shows up on Sunday? Lamar Jackson, who is the most dynamic running quarterback that we have in the league right now, what he did to that Texas defense last Saturday was just surgical. It was absolutely amazing. And uh, he's going to be looking out there. This guy's, this guy's the current MVP of the league right now. 
and uh, it's it's going to be really tough to bet against them right now. I know the, the the Ravens are the favorites. I can see either team winning, but yeah. if it's the Chiefs winning, it's because Pat Mahomes goes complete Pat Mahomes Super Saiyan ability and takes over the football game. Otherwise, it might be a heavy dose of Lamar Jackson and uh, that defense really shutting down the the the, um, the the Ravens defense really shutting down that that Chiefs running game. Great matchup of, of these quarterbacks. Yeah, obviously, so Mahomes, so being, uh, Mahomes being the the class of quarterback at, at the at the at this level right now, and and uh, in the midst of this dynasty. But Lamar Jackson, right there, and this the, the way he has elevated his play and his team this season has been really impressive. Like you said, being the MVP front runner and dealt with injury after injury. Mark Andrews, I mentioned, but you know, just to start off the season. Um, you know, losing to J.K. Dobbins or your your whoever you put out there at, at running back, he's still able to to go and find a way for the team to win. I think that home field advantage is obviously huge. I do think that the Ravens defense just will create more opportunities, and and I, I just see um, no way around a Niners and uh, and Ravens Super Bowl. I think that's mm-hmm. that's Nick Ross. What do you got? Niners and Ravens Super Bowl. I like it. <clears throat> that will bring us back to. Um, Coincidentally, the last time uh, Jim the Harbaugh coached, predicted it, yeah, and the last time Jim Harbaugh coached a uh, in, in an NFL game was the Ravens in his 49 Super Bowl, the blackout game as we, as we know it, right? Remember, we, we were delayed an hour for the blackout in in New Orleans, and that was the Colin Kaepernick uh, pass in the end zone that got got tipped incomplete. So uh, that would be fun. That would be a really fun matchup uh, if, if we get that, but. Hey, you know, at this point, either one of those teams would be fun. You know, we we are obviously NFC North Chicago fans, um, but Lions fans in Vegas um, for in, in in that environment, you know, when they've been waiting for a long time, would be very very interesting. And uh, you know, obviously the Chiefs they they've been there before, but I I've always said on this show you have to appreciate greatness when you see it because you'll never know when you see it again. So to potentially sure. see Pat Mahomes in another Super Bowl. Will be be really fun, but I agree with you. the The betting favorite to start the playoffs was Ravens and 49ers. and uh, as it stands today, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with that. I can't see uh, a, a way where it's not gonna be that by the end of Sunday. The NFL was that something up their sleeve though, and they love Pat sure. Mahomes. They love the Chiefs. They love this Taylor Swift publicity and, and more mm-hmm. viewers. So they, they mm-hmm. can certainly go that route. Yeah. They love the story. Yeah. Love the story of Detroit. I see a lot of you know the, the Bears fans saying, "Oh, you know, a, a, a root for Detroit." Going on, can you root for someone in your division to to go all the way to the Super Bowl? I can't do it. I can't do it either. I'm sorry, I can't do it. I, I would never do it. Storyline: You're still Detroit. Yes. No, thank you. <laughs> I would I would happily root for the AFC team if uh, if, the, if the Detroit Lions went to the Super Bowl. I, you talked about the the NFL loving Taylor Swift and stuff like that. You have to wonder if she would take too much away from the game and the teams and Usher performing and Reba McIntyre is going to be out there and, and, and all that that comes with that, right? And uh, even the security risk that comes involved with her being in Vegas and stuff like that. And, you know, on the flip side of it, I also look at a guy like Lamar Jackson. He's going to win his second MVP. And, uh, you know, to potentially have him go to the Super Bowl, how many faces of the league do we theoretically have right now? We have Mahomes, so we probably have Travis Kelsey. I think this is an opportunity for Lamar Jackson to really rise up and be in that like next stratosphere 
face of the league kind of guy. Because if he at least goes to a Super Bowl and he's got a second MVP on his belts, you have to start saying this guy is a a hall of, a walking Hall of Famer. You know, and and it would be really cool to see him elevate to uh, that face of the league status. And it would be really cool to see him win one. To be honest with you, um, because he has bucked the trend of. You know, people called him a wide receiver and people said he couldn't be a quarterback in this league and throw the football. And you saw where he draft, fell in the draft and stuff like that. And so for him to work his ass off and get to this point and potentially be on the doorstep of his first uh, Super Bowl ring, even after all the contract bullshit that he had to go through last year, right. even though he already proved how good he was, he still had to go through that nonsense. I think that would be the ultimate uh, win for Lamar Jackson. And I would love to see it. Uh, Lamar Jackson, too, very different from obviously Pat Mahomes and in, in the marketing aspect of things. It just seems more more focused on playing football than doing State Farm ads and most other quarterbacks who are just you know do, doing every sort of publicity stunt that you could think of. Uh, I, I would certainly root for that, and you know I wouldn't be mad at any matchup. But I'm picking Ravens, Ravens and Niners uh, should be a fun slate. I'll be in Austin watching those games. We'll find a find a good spot. Right. Up. Yes, sir. Enjoy it. Stay away from it's the bats. Hey, do the, the bats? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Find the, yeah, the bats. The bats take over Austin. Uh, isn't that a thing in San Antonio, too? I feel like it's it just is. a Texans yeah. thing. Yep. <laughs> new bats, new Texans, and uh, everything else. Uh, let's talk. Quick hits, Ross. We mm -hmm. are going to get out of here. Uh, shout out to Ryan, Ryan Sandberg. Good luck to you, sir. Uh, Cubs That's legend. Cool. Revealed his cancer diagnosis and how he is receiving treatment. We wish him well for sure. Yes. Regardless of what team you root for, uh, mm -hmm. you can agree on that. Well, the Oscars, and before we get to the Oscars, John Stewart back at the Daily Show must have backed up a Comedy Central backed up a Brinks truck to his his home. I guess that show he did was it on Apple TV? It was basically the Daily Show. Um, it was on Apple had, TV. Go home, John. Yeah. And, you know, you're, you're reaching a point right now for, um, you know, whether you like the guy or not, Donald Trump in election year brings a ton of ratings. And uh, I think you're going to see a lot more of these networks bring back the big guns to guide you through a uh, what's going to be a very hostile election season that I don't want to talk about at all. <laughs> we got too much to talk about in the meantime. Uh, like Oscar snubs, uh, did you yes. did you have the same qualms with uh, everybody? With uh, which was surprising to me it was we just talked about you know actor in a leading role didn't get anyone from Killers of the Flower Moon whether it be De Niro yeah. or DiCaprio, and yeah. then Margot Robbie not getting in the actress in a leading role category. You know, Best Picture everybody gets in, included basically. But uh, your yeah. reactions to the snubs? Yeah, well, uh, De Niro got in for Best Supporting Actor, but that. That category right. is loaded. Yeah, that category is very yeah. loaded. Um, obviously, all, all the vitriol was around uh, Margot Robbie and, and Greta Gerwig. Um, Margot Robbie was was fine. I think that she's going to have much more opportunities going forward to win Best Actress. I think she's the most talented young actress we have right now. Her and Emma Stone, who coincidentally was nominated for Poor Things. Poor Things, absolutely phenomenal movie. Go out and watch that. Uh, also has Mark Ruffalo in it, who's nominated as well. But I was I was okay with that snub. I do think Greta Gerwig should have been nominated for Best Director. I, I think when you're able to pull off that kind of achievement that Barbie pulled off with that cast, with that budget, have that kind of success, for her to not be nominated to me is is a is a shame and uh, is a travesty. But 
you know, I, I for the people saying, you know, they're trying to make it a man versus woman thing. The Greta Gerwig piece, I get. The Margot Robbie thing, she's there were just other women in that category where that were absolutely phenomenal. For you know? sure, so yeah. that's not taking away from other women. And it's, also, it's a, Ryan Gosling was awesome. He was he, he was awesome. Sure. Yeah, I was gonna say Ryan Gosling was awesome. You know, so I, I he think, also deserves his nomination as well. Just that, yeah. You you brought up the best point, Ross. Where I just feel like Barbie, as much as it's it's a big Hollywood film, the acting just isn't the same like you know when you put it in the same category as a poor things and just like the transformation into barbie is you know it's it, it's it's not it's not the same for me uh so i could certainly see that um listen i barbie is a fun movie when i watched what lily gladstone did and kills at a flower moon very good i don't give a shit about who else is nominated she deserves to win an oscar for the best female performance that year she was that damn good and there are just some outstanding movies this year. This was a very, very good year, which was to be expected. We're kind of a couple years away from COVID. We had all of our big directors come out this year. Scorsese, David Fincher dropped movie. Um, you know, Michael Mann dropped movie. All the big guns came out this year. So, um, you know, it, it, there are some really fun movies on the list. Um, if you guys haven't seen them, I've seen most of the Best Picture nominees. I still have uh, Anatomy of a Fall left. And uh, I think it's uh, Invasion of Privacy or something like that. I, I think those are my last two movies. But I've seen all the other ones on the list. Right. Holdovers is awesome. Um, so it's been a really fun Oscars year. And uh, I, I do invite everybody to watch them. Put American Fiction at the top of your watch list if you haven't seen that one yet. That's a very good, well-deserved uh, movie. It's up for Best Picture, Best Actor, Jeffrey Wright. Uh, is, is also nominated best uh, supporting actor and Sterling K Brown is also nominated. Love it, Ross. Uh, gotta, gotta have some quality couch time and uh, watch <laughs> best picture nominees for sure. Yes. Uh, yes. We've ran out of show. I love that like, in the comments, this has sparked uh, political opinions regardless. That's not where we wanted to go. <laughs> God, Thanks, everybody, for chiming in the comments. Comments have been blowing up. Shout out to, to Mark and Cliff and Foster. Foster, you were making me crack up over here. Mr. Mayhem, everybody, if you're old and new, we appreciate your interactions. Uh, if you missed any of the show, of course, it'll be on iTunes and Spotify ASAP uh, on YouTube as well. And like, subscribe, tell a friend or two. Follow me on Twitter at Mac. Follow Ross at Ross Reed. We'll be back same time next week talking about the Super Bowl matchup. Uh, everybody be good to each other out there. We say deuces. So long, everybody. Peace.